Delicious meets nutritious in the snack that packs a real protein punch, wonderful pistachios. Each one-ounce serving of wonderful pistachios has six grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value and making wonderful pistachios one of the highest protein nuts. But perhaps more than that, I love all of the flavors they have. Their sea salt and vinegar ones are my favorite when I'm craving that flavor but want to keep it healthy. But that's just the tip of the iceberg. Wonderful pistachios come in a variety of flavors, like chili roasted, honey roasted, smoky barbecue, and jalapeno lime, perfect for enjoying with family and friends or taking them with you on the go. Whether you're a pistachio purist who loves cracking open every nut or you prefer the convenience of no-shells pistachios, Wonderful Pistachios has got you covered. Grab Wonderful Pistachios and elevate your snacking game today. So fill up with a healthy snack when hunger strikes. Visit wonderfulpistachios.com to learn more. That's wonderfulpistachios.com. Have you ever noticed how a calm mind can really set the stage for a good night's sleep? That's the idea behind our new podcast, Good Sleep. Greg, our host from Optimal Relationships Daily, is here to help ease you into a peaceful night's rest with some positive affirmations. And these affirmations aren't just comforting, they can help ease anxiety and nurture positive thoughts, setting you up for true good sleep. So, press play on good sleep tonight because a good tomorrow starts with a good night's sleep. Just search for good sleep in your podcast app and be sure to pick the one from Optimal Living Daily. It's another Q&A edition of Optimal Health Daily, episode 1908, and I'm Dr. Neil, your host of the show. Hey there, welcome back to another special Friday edition of Optimal Health Daily, where I answer your questions. On the other days, I read health and fitness blogs to you, kind of like an audiobook. Now, if you're wondering about me and my background and my credentials and why I call myself Dr. Neil, definitely check out the first Q&A episode from earlier this month. That's where I go into more details about all of that. But for now, I'm gonna spare you from that kind of long intro so we can get right to today's question and start optimizing your life. Today's question came via email. Nick writes, how can a person with mild to moderate mobility disabilities introduce and keep exercise in their life? Thank you so much for taking the time to send in your question, Nick. I do spend quite a bit of time talking about situations where there's no assumed mobility issue but I don't think I've ever talked about what to do if there is a disability or mobility issue. So thank you again for the question. Now, I'll start with a disclaimer. In order to respond to this question, I'll need to make some generalizations. So the situations I describe might not include what you or someone you know may be experiencing. As always, these are guidelines. If my suggestions aren't quite specific enough, an experienced trainer will likely be able to personalize these recommendations for you. Something else that you'll find as I start talking about this is that the recommendations don't differ all that much from those that are considered otherwise healthy. So with that, let's jump in. Now, if the mobility or disability is due to an injury, we're gonna assume here that the individual will eventually recover. But many of these same principles, again, can be applied to those with permanent disabilities. The general rule of thumb is to think about fitness in two stages. Stage one is all about maintaining general fitness levels. And stage two is all about maintaining specific fitness-related skills. Now, when I say maintaining, this is assuming a person recovering from injury. We could replace maintaining with increasing. But again, it depends on the person. I'll explain. 
Now, within both of these stages, there are levels. These levels talk about how to progress within each stage. All right, let's try and make sense of this. Again, let's assume we're talking about maintaining fitness levels first. Level one of the first stage is all about minimizing pain. And if we're talking about, again, recovering from injury, we wanna make sure the body is healing. So this level is usually all about reducing inflammation by regularly applying ice or heat, for example, and so on. Level two may involve gentle stretching at first. We only can get to level two when the pain is properly managed from level one. Then, if the gentle stretching goes well, we can start to add in some cardiovascular exercises. And believe it or not, even just gentle stretching can improve aerobic fitness, heart and lung health, believe it or not. Now, there was a time when I broke my hand playing soccer. Yes, somehow I managed to break my hand when playing a game where you're basically only using your feet and legs. Anywho, I wanted to maintain some level of cardiovascular fitness even with my broken hand. My doctor said I shouldn't run because I could trip and fall, land on my hand again, and cause more damage. So I ended up using my dad's stationary bike. Now, depending on where the mobility issue is, maybe an exercise bike is not reasonable or safe. Again, an experienced trainer can help with this. They can decide which types of exercises would most benefit you. But let's say using the legs is not possible. There is actually something called an arm ergometer. This is basically an arm cycle or a bicycle for the arms. Instead of pedaling with our legs, we pedal with our arms. Most gyms actually have this arm ergometer machine, and you can even buy one for your home. They come in all shapes and sizes now. And since our arms have smaller muscles than our legs, they're less powerful and they get tired really quickly. After five minutes of using one of these, you'll definitely feel your heart rate rising. So it's still a fantastic cardio workout. Now, how often and for how long should these cardiovascular exercises be performed? You're gonna guess what I'm about to say, so it all depends on the person and how they feel. But the general goal is to work up to three to five days per week for 15 to 30 minutes. As fitness improves, you can increase the length of the workout to 45 and even 60 minutes, three to five days per week. But safety is key. It's better to take it slow and continue progressing rather than have a setback, injury, or re-injury. It's also important to keep incorporating flexibility training by stretching the major muscle groups during this time. In fact, when recovering from injury, the goal is often not to try and get super fit, but instead just try and maintain fitness levels. What about strength training? Usually machines are the best places to start. As you can imagine, keeping the weight light, maintaining perfect form, and aiming for higher repetitions are key, especially when starting out. Starting with just one set of a weight that you can lift at least nine times, and even up to 25 times without stopping, is kind of the goal. If pain starts to creep back in, it's time to stop. Gradually, work up to performing resistance training three to five days per week with two to five sets per exercise. Keep the repetition range between nine and 25 for a while. When a trainer or your doctor clears you, you can increase the weight so that you can only lift it five to eight times. Here again though, if recovering from injury, the goal isn't to get super strong at this time. It's just to try and maintain fitness levels. If the disability on the other hand is permanent, you can think about increasing your strength, but I highly recommend talking to your doctor and an experienced trainer first so they can specify the types of exercises and the sets and repetitions you should be performing.
Then comes level three. This is when the body is ready for more specific targeted training. This is where speed, agility, coordination, and power start to become priorities. As always, I know I sound like a broken record, the exercises here will vary depending on the individual's goals and their progress. So I can't really say much about this level other than these forms of targeted training should only happen after the previous levels and the person is not experiencing any pain or discomfort from the injury or disability. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it filters out incompatible applicants. So when you're hiring, the process is much faster and you only have to consider applicants that are already likely to be a great fit. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at indeed.com health. Just go to indeed.com health right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com health. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Thank you again for taking the time to send me your question, Nick. Now, if you want to submit a question to be answered right here on the show, you can email it to health at oldpodcast.com. Remember, you can also call in your audio question. The number is 161-I-LOVE-OHD. That's 1-614-568-3643. Or you can submit your audio question on the web at oldpodcast.com slash ask. If you use the website, you can actually listen and play back your message, delete and do retakes before sending your question in. And again, that's oldpodcast.com slash ask. All right, that'll do it for another Q&A of Optimal Health Daily. Thank you so much for listening every day. Thank you for sharing the show with someone. And I'll be back here tomorrow where your optimal life awaits.